Before we get started, I wanted to add a quick disclaimer. The original audio that my wife and I recorded had to be scrapped. Uh, yes, we had to set it on fire. Dracarys. Because for some reason, her audio was giving off an echo pretty bad, and I couldn't wipe it out from the her track. So have to record this again on my own. Uh, it's just going to be me speaking about season one. So I hope you still enjoy it and find it helpful in deciding if you want to watch the show or not. Thank you. Hello and welcome to the Drink In Geek Out podcast. This is a show where we drink beer and geek out. I am your host, Pale, and alongside me is the love of my life, Mrs. Kayla Pale. But she is not here with me quite yet. Uh, first, I am going to bring to you guys a beer that I am going to sh- review on the show. Um, but first, before I do that, this episode is a Geek of Thrones special presentation. It's House of the Dragon Season 1 recap and review. So stick around for that. That will come right after the beer segment, and I hope you enjoy. In front of me, I am drinking Dot and Line's Dark Castle, which was featured on episode 274, The Watch Along for Mortal Kombat. Uh, that was a beer that Keith drank during the watch along. I'm not sure if he got to talk about it at all. So you'll have to go back to episode 274, which was about two, three months ago. But i um, excited to get into this and talk about it. Dark Castle comes in at 5% ABV, zero IBUs. It is a German-style Schwarz beer, dark lager. So this came in a... 16 ounce can from the dot and line brewery. And I know this is a little bit on the older side as they first came out with this in June of 22, um, was able to have it fresh off the tap. Um, remember enjoying it. It was a little bit of a different style than what I'm used to. Um, I, I like, you know, getting styles that I that aren't made all the time. It's different from the normal stout or IPAs that you see. So Dark Castle came with the, in a can. Um, has a black label with a really nice looking castle in the background. Actually, kind of looks like Dragonstone from Game of Thrones, as the castle kind of sits right on the edge of the um, hill next to the ocean. And it looks like kind of to the left, there's like a little village that kind of goes off into uh, into the further into the background. So it just says Dark Castle with uh, medieval looking text. There is a little dragon like right above the L. So I thought that it was like had to be the most perfect beer to match up with this episode. Um, on the side of the can says 
hops, German tradition, grain, pills, Munich, chocolate, crystal 40, black prins, and roasted barley. The yeast that was used was Apex Munich. Um, if, if you all don't know, Dot and Line is uh, from Fort Wayne, Indiana. It's one of the newer breweries around town. Uh, it's a really nice place. There's a printing company right next to it that I believe started the whole brewery. So um, really cool, very, very local brewery. Uh, I really enjoy going there. Uh, the color of the beer, very dark, but can't can't say it's f- like fully black. As I put it up to the light, I'm still seeing quite a bit of red, and it is a bit see-through. So let me go take a look at the SRM. So in the dark, it is black, but... Up to the light, it's red. I would say something that we don't usually use a lot on the show, uh, Freddy's Fedora is what I'm getting for all you geek heads uh, that, that enjoy the SRM comparison. So on the nose, very malty, roasty. A little, just a tiny bit of like a burnt hazelnut, but primarily roasty and malty. It definitely drinks like a lager. Uh, When I first poured this, I was expecting maybe more porter vibes, but but now that I'm drinking, it's much more like a lager with just like a hint of nuttiness um, a little bit more malty than what lagers typically are um, don't they don't get any of the chocolate really and with it being an older can I feel like it's a little bit flat to be honest like um, some of the malts and the Hops kind of faded in this, which is a little bit disappointing, but it's expected with the can being about six months old now. So yeah, it's not it's not bad at all. Um, if I remember correctly from having it on tap, I did enjoy it. Like I said, um, I'll just go ahead and bring up my untapped. Oh, but first, let me read a couple reviews from friends and local neighbors. Keith had it, as I said, on the Mortal Kombat watch along, gave it a four and a half, said smoky, roasty goodness. He also had it at the tap room back in June when it was first brewed. Gave it a four and a half, said an amazing dark German beer that is smoky, roasty, and malty. Not for everyone, but this is another favorite style of mine. And as far as the locals around town, Pete Satra from Loggers and Lawrence gave it a four. He said earthy. Dave Baum from Dot and Line 
gave it a 3.75 malty dry ale smoky but not like a scotch ale not heavy and i would agree with that completely it's not a heavy beer at all actually you probably could find a lot of casual beer drinkers that would would pick this one off the off the list and drink it stout boss a good friend of keith gave it a 3.25 said sweet smoke roush beer like that's about it for the untapped check-ins i went ahead and left my rating the same from june of 2022 i gave it a 4.25 um i did think this was very much a dark lager, nothing really too special about it. Um, I don't want to knock it because of the age, so I'm going to leave it at the at 4.25. I mean, I know it's worth every bit of that rating, malty, roasty, uh, just a little bit of a uh, burnt nuttiness but not bad at all. Uh, yeah, drinks drinks very well, very easy to drink. Um, doesn't have any odd aftertaste. So, yeah, uh, solid beer. Um, check it out if you can. And I'm going to end the beer segment there. And when we come back from the quick little break, we will have the Season 1 Recap and review of House of the Dragon. Hello and welcome. This is a Geek of Thrones special presentation. House of the Dragon Season 1 Recap and Review. Feels pretty good to be on the pod again. Uh, It's been way too long trying to get this episode ready and recorded. I apologize for having it so late. I know the season started in August of 2022. So we're clearly seven, eight months ahead of that. This is something that should have came out probably four or five months ago. So this is season one recap and review. Uh, It was supposed to be recorded with my partner, my wife, but... Some things happened, and we had to scrap the first episode, like I mentioned in the disclaimer. So I'm going to do this on my own. I'm going to try to give it justice. I'm not going to spoil too much because I want everybody to have a chance to watch it before Season 2 comes out, which as of recording, Season 2 is now in production, which is really exciting because it sounds like we will probably get the new episode in spring or summer of 2024. So let me jump into what House of the Dragon is, and then we'll talk about the cast and the characters. I'll go over the episodes briefly, and then I want to talk about the dragons, because I feel like that didn't get brought up very much in the season. Um, So I wanted to just kind of throw out the dragons because it's a lot different back then than it was during Daenerys' time with her three dragons. 
House of the Dragon is an American fantasy drama television series created by George R.R. R. Martin and Ryan Condal for HBO. A prequel to Game of Thrones, it is the second TV show in the A Song of Ice and Fire franchise. Condal and Miguel Sapochnik served as the showrunners for the first season. Based on Martin's 2018 novel, Fire and Blood, the series is set about 100 years after the Seven Kingdoms are united by the Targaryen Conquest, nearly 200 years before the events of Game of Thrones, and 172 years before the birth of Daenerys Targaryen. Featuring an ensemble cast, the show portrays the events leading up to the beginning of the decline of House Targaryen, a devastating war of succession known as the Dance of the Dragons. So I figured since I'm doing an episode on the Drink and Geek Out podcast, I should probably be drinking something. So before I came up into my studio, I grabbed a stout called Black is Beautiful by Sun King Brewery. This is a very, very popular beer. It's one that we've probably had on the show six or seven times in some capacity. We may not have talked about it every time, but we've had it on bonus episodes. We've had it on regular episodes. And the the recipes are all very similar, but they are all have the same name, the same can label, but they're done by different breweries. So it was a really cool thing they did about a couple years ago. Uh, during the month of February. So I wanted to grab this one because it was an older can in my fridge. Wanted to drink on it. Just kind of loosened me up and start talking about the episode. So let me jump into the characters. Patty Constantine plays King Viserys Targaryen, the fifth king of the Seven Kingdoms, known as the, a warm, kind, and decent man. I thought King Viserys was... A pretty decent king. Um, kind of didn't have much conviction on who would success him. Um, kind of left that up to the council to discuss. Um, he was very open. Um, didn't Just didn't really pull for one child or one family member. But one thing did always remain the same. That he wanted to create a male heir in some way. So that was always his focus was a male heir to take over the throne. Emma D'Arc played princess Queen Rhaenyra Targaryen, King Viserys's daughter and heir apparent, the firstborn and only surviving child of Viserys and his first wife. Millie Alcock portrays the young princess. So I'll we'll talk about her later. But we get basically two two different types of princesses with in the show. It's a younger princess, and then it goes into a older, much mature and experienced princess that's been through some things. So it's it's pretty interesting seeing how she grows. Matt Smith plays Prince Damon Targaryen, the younger brother of Asaris and uncle, husband of Princess Rhaenyra known as the Rogue Prince for his unpredictable behavior. So he's a little bit of a, a rebel, in my opinion. Um, 
kind of goes with the goes at his own pace, the own beat of his drum. Uh, doesn't really fool or follow rules t- as well as some think he should. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of conflicts that kind of come up in the episodes with him. Olivia Cook, Queen Alicent Hightower, Princess Rhaenyra, childhood, Princess Rhaenyra's childhood companion and best friend, the second wife and queen consort of King Viserys, Emily Carey portrays the younger character. She's really quiet in the beginning. Uh, I think she starts to find her voice uh, the later the season goes on, and especially toward like the last five episodes of the season, her voice is very strong and she's very convicted on what she wants and what she believes in. So it's like she, in my opinion, has maybe like the largest, um, largest amount of growth from episode one to episode 10. Reese, I fans, Sir Otto Hightower, Queen Allison's father and the hand of the King. When his daughter became queen, he began plotting to put her eldest son, Aegon, on the Iron Throne instead of Rhaenyra. So this guy, he's he goes by the book. He's very does everything by what how it should be done, how it's been done in the past. Uh, he's a really good friend and advisor to the king. Uh, I liked his character quite a bit, uh, and I really enjoyed the actor himself. He's been in a lot of pretty good things. Steve Toussaint, Lord Corliss Valerion, the Lord of Driftmark and head of House Valerion, one of the wealthiest and most powerful families in the Seven Kingdoms. Known as the Sea Snake, he is the most famous seafarer in Westeros history. I enjoyed him too. I wish we had seen more screen time from him because he was a very intriguing type of character. Eve Best, Prince Renice Targaryen, King Viserys's older cousin and the wife of Lord Corliss Valerion, known as the Queen Who Never Was. She was once a candidate to succeed her grandfather as ruler of the Seven Kingdoms, but was passed over in favor of Viserys due to her gender. So a very unhappy uh, person, in my opinion, I just think uh, she felt like she was did wrong when the the uh, succession happened and King Viserys was chosen over her. She felt like she should have had more consideration because of her name and everything that she's done for House Targaryen. But back then it just didn't, wasn't the way it was. It didn't work out. And they favored men over women all the time. So it's just, it's tough. It was tough to see. And I felt for her. The children of Viserys and Alicent is Prince Aegon Targaryen, Prince Aemon Targaryen, and Princess Helena Targaryen. So there's a lot of different, a lot of recasting with these characters, the children, um, because you see them at different ages and different stages of their life. So that was in my opinion, a little hard to keep track of um, who was who because we didn't really get a chance to see the faces a whole lot 
to really know like, oh, this was Aegon and this was Aemon. And then with Helena, we got maybe two to three scenes out of the entire season. So it was just tough to keep track of them. The children of Daemon and Lady Lena Valerion, Lady Bela Targaryen, Lady Rhaena Targaryen. So same thing, didn't really get to see them a whole lot. Didn't really matter like who what their names were. They weren't a big part of the storylines. Um I mean we knew they were there. We just didn't really need to focus too much on them. So it was kind of they weren't a priority type of character. So I'm gonna talk about some of these episodes briefly. I don't want to give away too much. Um, like I said, so let's jump into it. Episode one, the heirs of the dragon, Viserys hosts a tournament to celebrate the birth of his second child. Rhaenyra welcomes her uncle Damon back to the red keep. So we're introduced to King Viserys. We're introduced to Rhaenyra. We're introduced to Damon. Allison Hightower, Otto Hightower, Kristen Cole, who is a a guard slash bodyguard for House Targaryen. Um, so episode one was really good. Uh, it really like set up everything going on in the house. Um, it's just a good way to start it off. You're just like getting letting you get to know these characters. Um, so yeah, there was a a tournament. It was a jousting tournament uh, towards the back end of the episode, just to celebrate the second child of King Viserys and his wife. So Rhaenyra would be the first, and this new baby would be the second. Uh, the baby was male, so very everyone was very excited. And something very tragic happens at the end of the episode with the childbirth and um, won't go too much into it, but it's very graphic um, basically because of the times that they lived in, there was no like easy way to, for her to give birth to this child. So they had to make a huge decision um, hoping to save either the mother or the baby and sadly, sadly, they lose both. So that just kind of jump goes into episode two, where everybody is really upset about the the death of King, Vis- King Viserys' baby. Uh, so episode two, the rogue prince, Rhaenyra oversteps at the small council. Viserys is urged to secure the succession through marriage. Damon announces his intentions. So, episode two, Rhaenys and Corlys Valerion, they are married. They are pushing Viserys to remarry to make a new heir. Well, the king is not quite ready. He's still grieving from the loss of his wife and his child. He's not thinking about remarrying. That's just not on his mind yet. So he just needs time to get back to that that point where he's ready to 
continue building the house. So we start seeing more of Damon and his antics. So he steals an egg that was supposed to go to baby Balon. That was the baby that was supposed to be born. Uh, Otto Hightower just cannot stand Damon. <laughs> he cannot stand him. He doesn't. He doesn't just stand in line and like follow the rules. So um, that happened, and there's some tension building with Damon and Otto and King Viserys. Uh, Damon's wife is not happy with his antics. Doesn't feel safe where she's at. I mean, in her past, she was part of a very like a crazy home. Uh, there was a lot of drama, a lot of fighting, uh, war was going on. So she was escaping her original family to be with Damon. And now she's starting to feel a little unsafe like she was before. So with Renice and Corliss trying to set up King Viserys with a new wife, they actually suggest their daughter who is only like 10 years old. I mean, it's just, it's, it's crazy. Like, the stuff that Game of Thrones comes up with just, I just can't imagine like a 40 year old man thinking about marrying a 10 year old girl. It's, it's, it's wild to me, but that was the times. So, um, so what happens is King Viserys, he actually, he turns down the, the Valerion's offer to marry their daughter and, at the end of episode two, he announces that he will be marrying Alicent Hightower, who is, like I said before, Otto's daughter and best friend of Rhaenyra. So we go into episode three. Episode three, there's a three-year time jump. Alicent is pregnant with the second child. Ray is not happy with her dad's decision. Damon sent a dragon to the Stepstones to disrupt the crab feeder. So the crab feeder is a character that is at a place called the Stepstones. Um, he basically has a ton of crabs that just you know feed off of people like human flesh, and that's a part of his war strategy is to use these crabs. So it's really weird. Um, he wears a really weird mask. Uh, Almost looks like he has a grayscale. Uh, skin's very red and kind of scaly looking. So I don't know what's going on with him. But basically, Damon, who is also the leader of the City Watch, he's also taking the Targaryen army to take care of the, the crab feeder because he's disrupting some of the shipping and receiving of... Corliss Valerion's boats. Uh, so it's really getting in the way of his navy, of the Valerion's navy. So Damon was asked to take care of the crab feeder, eliminate him, do whatever he has to do. So Damon is working on that. He sends a dragon to the crab feeder. Viserys wants Ray to get married. So now that's coming into question is when is Rhaenyra going to get married? Because according to King Viserys, she needs to start thinking about having children herself because it's this whole show is about succession and just keeping somebody in the throne, keep just having 
plenty of options in case something happens. So, Rhaenyra, she's not really too excited about marrying, but uh, they start talking about it. Uh, so, Rhaenyra has an interaction with Jason Lannister, uh, which, I mean, you all have probably heard of the Lannister name from Game of Thrones. They, The Lannisters were, the at the Red Keep, they were, you know, the very highest family at uh, King's Landing. So, Jason Lannister makes a new weapon for baby Aegon, and Jason wants to marry Rey. So I've been calling Rhaenyra Ray because it's just shorter and easier to say. So I might say Ray, I might say Rhaenyra every once in a while. But uh, so the weapon was made for baby Aegon, who is Alicent's, one of Alicent's children. So the king accepts that and tells him about wanting to marry Rhaenyra. Uh, also, Chris and Cole saves Rhaenyra from a boar attack. So while Rhaenyra is thinking about marrying somebody, she's actually starting to get closer to Kristen Cole, who is the bodyguard. He's just a guard of the house. So she's getting closer with him and seems like they have a little bit of chemistry, but nothing has been out in the public about them dating or being together. They're just friends right now. As of right now, Viserys is not claiming Aegon one of his sons to be the rightful heir, which is very odd in my opinion. He's still leaving the door open for possibly Rhaenyra being queen at some point. Also leaving open the fact that if Rhaenyra has kids, they could be rightful heirs to the throne. But as a king, you would think you would want your own own blood to be like the the king at one at some point. That's just like my opinion. And but for some reason he's just kind of keeping the doors open for other people. Uh so we see Corliss speaking with his navy on how to handle the situation in the step, step stones. So they're kind of coming up with a game plan how to eliminate the crab feeder. They know they have Damon's Damon on their side to help. Uh, so at the tar- towards the end of episode three, we see Damon waving a white flag at the Stepstones, and he's basically faking a surrender to throw the throw the Crab Feeder's army off, get the Crab Feeder to come out of his little a little hole that he's in. He the Crab Feeder continues to like look in the air to see if any dragons are going to come and just wreck their whole their whole day. But we don't see we don't see the dragons quite yet, but the the fake surrender happens and then Damon just starts starts fighting, like sword fighting everybody. He's doing a really good job on his own sword fighting the other armies, um getting closer to the crab feeder to fight him. And then as the fights fighting is happening, then the dragon one of the dragon riders comes in and starts burning up people on the on the beach that they're on. Uh, a lot of the crabs are dying and burning up, and it looks like they're doing very well. Like they're winning this battle. So in the in the end, the 
Corliss and Damon, they, they win the battle. So we jump into episode four. Uh, Damon goes back to King's Landing to report that the crab feeder has been taken care of, that he is no longer a problem with the, the Navy and the shipping situation. Uh, so I really enjoyed, before we get to episode four, I really enjoyed episode three because it gave us more dragon action and it just gave us more action in general. Uh, it felt more like Game of Thrones when it was at its peak of the ba- all the battles that it went through. So that's how I felt with episode three was just a lot of good action, special effects, uh, just felt more more like a Game of Thrones episode. So episode four, Ray still looking for a husband. And there's a kind of a thing going on with Damon and Rhaenyra. Like, so Rhaenyra thinks Damon's like a really cool uncle. Uh, Cause Damon's the brother of Viserys. So she thinks he's a cool uncle and he's kind of, he like, he likes to show off a little bit. So he takes her into the city um, kind of hanging out with just like city folk, but they have hoods over their heads because they are royalty. They don't want to be seen um, in the bowels of the city, like at bars and shops and whatnot. And they go, they see like a play happen. The play is a like reenactment of the childbirth that happened in episode one. So that was very disturbing to see them like kind of mock it and, kind of make it make it like an turn it into entertainment because it was a very sensitive situation very heartbreaking incident that happened so just kind of shows you like the people that are in the bowels of the city that they're that they just like to make fun of the royal family so uh, it was very strange and disturbing to see so as like ray and damon are in the city uh they see that play and then they they go to a brothel and see a bunch of people having sex, uh, kissing, doing weird stuff. And Damon and Ray share a kiss together, which is like total incest and it's total Game of Thrones. Uh, and I just, it didn't last long, so nothing else happened. So I'm thankful for that. Uh, but with Rhaenyra getting close with Damon like that, as she gets back to the the castle, uh, she meets up with Kristen Cole, and they they still have a thing going on from some of their previous uh, conversations and hanging out together. So they start getting close, and uh, they get intimate, and like clothes come off, and they have a good time. And I mean that to me that felt more like okay, this is this seem this makes more sense than her kissing her uncle. The whole thing with with the Ray and Damon, it starts to get out. So Otto tells Viserys about Damon and Ray being in the bowels of the city and at the brothel. And the king really doesn't believe it at first. And he's like, wow, this is some really strong accusations that Otto is telling. And he's like, if this ends up not being true, there could be serious consequences. And they never really... Were able to, they never were able to prove it, that it actually happened. So ultimately, it, it, with Otto being the hand of the king, he ultimately loses that title because the king did not appreciate him 
bringing that up without any real evidence. And he also felt like Otto was sending a spy or sending somebody to ch- to watch his daughter. And he just didn't, he didn't like that either. So, so let's jump into episode five. Episode five, Damon visits his wife in the Vale. Viserys and Rhaenyra broker agreements with the Valerians. Alicent seeks the truth about the princess. So episode five was was the episode before all the all the cast started to grow up. Um, so it was kind of a filler episode, in my opinion. There wasn't much advancement from the storylines uh, because they were just kind of preparing for another time jump to happen. But um, so R- Rhaenyra and Sir Lenore Valerian, they're, they're arranged to get married. But the problem is Sir Lenore, he's gay. So obviously he has no interest in being intimate with Rhaenyra. They're definitely not going to have babies. That's just not going to work out emotionally with him. So, so they come to an agreement and decide that they will marry. They'll fake the, the marriage, but Rhaenyra will be with somebody that she actually wants to be with. And Sir Lenore will be with somebody that he wants to be with. So there's a party, there's like an engagement party that goes on it um, in the castle and everybody's drinking, having a good time celebrating the coming marriage of Rhaenyra and Sir Lenore. Um, and there's some drama that happens between Kristen Cole and another person at the party. And it kind of leads to Kristen Cole beating the shit out of somebody and killing this person. I don't quite remember what exactly brought on the disagreement, the, the fight of the disagreement, but it did not make Kristen Cole happy. So let's jump into episode six. The princess and the queen. Ten years later, Rhaenyra navigates Allison's continued speculation about her children, while Damon and Lena weigh an offer and Pentos. So the time ten-year time jump happens. Rhaenyra is giving birth to her third child. All three of her children have dark hair, which confirms Sir Lenore is not the father. So it turns out Harwin Strong is the father, who is another guard. Uh, he's a tall, dark-haired gentleman, long hair. Somebody that Rhaenyra was actually very attracted to. Um, they had a secret relationship. And so Harwin Strong is the father of her three children. Which uh, clearly you can tell that they're not 100% Targaryen because they have dark hair. They don't have the, the, the white hair. Um. So that kind of, so Alicent Hightower, she's very suspicious of the children. Uh, she actually tells Sir Lenore, uh, keep trying. Maybe someday you'll f- have one that looks like you, which he kind of, he knows why they don't look like him, uh, but he did not appreciate the comment clearly. So we see like the kids are getting older. They're probably within like the five to 10 year range. Um, so we see Aegon and Jaceris, who is, so Aegon is Alicent Hightower's oldest. So the kids are getting older and they're probably in the five to 10 year range. And we see Aegon and Jaceris play a prank on Amon. So Aegon is the oldest 
child of Alicent's. Jaceres is the oldest of Rhaenyra's. So the prank happens on Amon, and they give him a pig with wings since he doesn't have an egg. So it's a really cruel gesture. Uh, this pig comes out with like broom wings, and it's just the, the kids are all like chuckling and laughing, like, and obviously Amon does not does not like it at all. Uh, so Alicent is worried that Aegon won't be worthy of being king if he doesn't stop acting out. So that's been a problem for most of Aegon's childhood so far, is he just been a little shithead. Doesn't seem to be maturing very fast, which, I mean, why would why would he want to mature? I mean, he doesn't, I mean, he's not really like responsible for anything right now. It's, he's kind of just growing or getting old, older, being a kid, not, doesn't really have a worry in the world. So doesn't, not really sure why he would need to mature, but obviously his mother is not happy with his antics. Rhaenyra wants to make a deal with Alicent to put Jaceres and Helena both up as king and queen. She doesn't, Alicent doesn't seem interested. So back during the earlier episodes, I talked about Alicent being very quiet in the beginning and then her starting to find her voice later on. So she's finally found her voice and her conviction and she firmly believes that Aegon should be king one day and she's just not willing to negotiate with Rhaenyra. Uh, obviously, Rhaenyra being the daughter of King Viserys, she wants some kind of stake in the throne, whether it's her or her children. So she's trying to work with Alicent and Alicent's just being stubborn and doesn't want it to happen. So Lady Elena is having issues during childbirth. Lady Elena, the the wife of Damon, uh, she's going through childbirth, um, and she's kind of going through the same situation that the queen did back in episode one. Uh, the baby's not coming. They need to do a procedure, which is basically a very rough C-section that means there's like no guarantee that the baby or the mother will live. It's just a like a 50-50 shot at saving both. So, um, lady Lena, she's not interested in that procedure. She knows she's probably not going to make it out alive during this childbirth. So she walks down to the dungeon where her, her dragon Vagar is there and basically tells Vagar to kill her. So she gives, him the command Dracarys. and he lights her up. So that's the end of Lady Lady Lena and the end of episode six. Episode seven. As the families gather on Driftmark for a funeral, Viserys calls for an end to infighting, and Alicent demands justice. So episode seven, it starts off with Lady Lena's funeral. Um, after that, Amon stole the dragon Vagar and rode it because he's clearly not happy with not having an egg. Um, all the other children have had one that are, and they're waiting for it to hatch. Uh, so he steals Vagar, which is the largest dragon at the moment. And I think the second largest in the history of like Westeros. So 
this dude is like a, a beast. Uh, so he jumps on Vagar and rides it. Um, after he gets done playing around and doing his thing, he comes back to the castle and Jaceris and Damon's kids are there to confront Amon. They said, Hey, you, we saw you take the dragon. Um, Damon's children are like, Hey, that's my mother's dragon. You can't take, you can't take him for a ride like that. Uh, you don't even know what you're doing. You don't even, you've never ridden a dragon. So they're kind of going back and forth arguing and, uh, a fight breaks out and basically Jaceris takes a knife, just slices it towards Amon. Amon loses his left eye and that all gets back to Allison Hightower, gets back to Rhaenyra and there's a big argument going down about it. Allison is extremely upset, very emotional. Rhaenyra is just kind of, just confused like how did this all happen so after they're after all the adults are like going back and forth another fight breaks out between between Rhaenyra and Alicent as Alicent is furious about what happened to her son King Viserys doesn't share that same anger so King Viserys he's very laid back trying to listen to both sides of the story doesn't want to doesn't want to say his grandkids are the issue doesn't want to say that um, his kids are the issue. So it's just whole thing going on. Um, and then towards the end of the episode, Rhaenyra and Damon get intimate, which is extremely gross. Again, I won't go into detail and they decide to team up so they can reign Supreme together. So they're Rhaenyra is definitely feeling like it's an uphill battle trying to f- claim a stake with House Targaryen. Uh, she feels like Alicent is just running the show. So she's she decides, hey, Uncle Damon, do you want to team up and just start having babies and start making like purebred Targaryens with white hair and seeing where we can go from there? And of course, Damon's like, yeah, let's do it. You know, let's, let's go for it. Let's jump into episode eight. Six years later, so there's another time jump that happens. With the Driftmark succession suddenly critical, Rhaenyra attempts to strike a bargain with Renice. So episode 8, I got another time jump happens of 2-3 to three years. Rhaenyra has two more children with Daemon, baby Aegon number 2 and baby Viserys number 2. So at this point, King Viserys, he's been dealing with a some kind of disease for much of his adult life, basically. Um, and now he's basically laying in bed all the time, uh, just very sick, uh, can't do what he used to do. He has a hard time walking, um, speaking is even an issue for him. So while he's laying in bed, Rhaenyra introduces him to her two babies, Aegon and Viserys. Um, and actually they both have white hair, so he's... King, I think the king is pleasantly surprised to see that and very happy. He has more grandchildren. Uh, so king is in terrible health. He's not probably not going to get any better. We also see Corlys Valerion is frustrated with the dis- disrespect his family is getting. Uh, 
you know, Corliss Valerian, he also feels like um, his family doesn't have much much say in the Targaryen family, and he feels like Corliss does a lot for House Targaryen with with their home and their their navy ships and the protection that they give them, and he just doesn't doesn't feel like he's respected enough. So he's going so. Corliss is upset. Um, another member of the Valerian family is upset. Uh, he's going off about Rhaenyra's ch- children with her dark hair, calling them out, saying these are bastard children. They're not Targaryens. They have no. They have no stake in the throne. They shouldn't be here. And all that is being said, and Damon decides to just cut off his head because it was really frustrating the king. Uh, King is like, I'll have your tongue. And so Damon slices his head off. Uh, part, most of his tongue is still connected to like his jaw and it, it's a it's graphic and it's a gross scene. Um, so that ha- all happens. Uh, and then there's a dinner at the end of the episode. The whole family is toasting to the King because the King doesn't have much longer to live. Uh, so everybody's toasting and, you know, just sharing their appreciation for everything that's that goes on around the house. Um, Ray Rhaenyra decides to toast to Alicent to try to squash the beef that's been happening between them in the past and their children, everything that's going on with them. So Rhaenyra toasts to Alicent. Alicent accepts that toast and says, "Yes, this let's let's squash this and move on." But the unfortunately the boys are still not getting together um at the at this dinner it was decided that um Jaceris and Lucas who are Rhaenyra's two oldest that they will marry the Valerian daughters to keep keep the Targaryen Valerian name together like keep them close just kind of bring them more together and uh I believe it was a- Aegon was making some comments to Jaceris about like making love to a woman and, Oh, you've never done that before. I'm, I'll show you everything you need to know and blah, blah, blah. You're going to be able to get it up and all that jazz. And so there's another fight that breaks out and it's like, ugh. it's just like, ugh. I want to say boys being boys, but I, I know not all boys are act like this and they shouldn't act like this. They're just all spoiled brats that get everything they want to. And when there's like anything that kind of becomes challenging, they just are totally immature. So episode nine, while Alicent enlists Cole and Amon to track down Aegon, Otto gathers the great houses of Westeros to affirm their allegiance. So beginning of the episode, we find out the king king is dead he loses his battle with his disease um alicent is part of this green council and they're discussing how to move forward with the succession who should be put on on the throne um they're kind of they're going back and forth thinking of who it should be and you know obviously alicent is really pushing for Aegon to be king and without any actual council decision because Damon and Rhaenyra, they decide to go travel to Dragonstone. And uh, they miss out on the vote 
to find out who will be the new king. And the queen just names Aegon without them. Um, that news gets back to Damon and Rhaenyra, and they're clearly not happy about it. They feel disrespected. Um, as they're at Dragonstone, Otto Hightower, he, uh, I mean, he's not the hand of the king, but he's still part part of like around the family because his daughter is with was with the king. She's actually the queen, so he's still around. He tries to tries to smooth it over with Rhaenyra kind of have wants her to come back to King's Landing and she's just not interested. She's just very hurt and very confused. Um, so let's jump into episode 10. Episode 10 is the finale. Uh, Ray and Damon have found out about Aegon being coming King. Rhaenyra wants to send her two boys to find allies uh, so they're thinking House Stark, House Tully, and House Baratheon. These are all names that are very familiar with Game of Thrones. They're all very well known in Westeros. So the two boys are going to go out to these houses, try to get allies, try to explain that they are still Targaryen and they still need help, and that uh, the family is splitting apart, so... They need allies to help start, basically start war. They're like, basically a civil war. They're like, so that Damon and Rhaenyra can have some kind of claim to the Iron Throne. Because obviously they want their family and all their children to be sitting on the throne at some point. So with the boys going out, Lucas goes to Storm's End which is House Baratheon, to just come and explain what's going on and that they need help. Well, when Lucas gets to Storm's End, he finds out that Amon is already there to just kind of like ruin his plans. So Amon, really not happy. He doesn't like Lucas at all. Lucas was actually the one that took his eye from him. So that kind of, that comes up in this scene where Amon takes off his eye patch that he's been wearing and it has like a little crystal ball like in his eye socket and uh, Amon wants Lucas to take his own eye and Lucas is like that's not going to happen that's ridiculous so Lucas without getting any kind of deal done at Storm's End he gets back on his dragon rides off and as they're seeing Lucas in the clouds flying, the big dragon Vagar comes, and uh, it's Amon. He starts messing with Lucas, teasing him, kind of just like I'm not sure what he's doing. I think he's just trying to like get in his head and play with him. Well, as uh, Lucas is flying, Amon has disappeared. He's not anywhere to be seen in the clouds, and he comes out of nowhere, and Vagar comes full speed at Lucas and his dragon. Vagar opens his mouth, chomps down, chomps the, the smaller dragon in half, and basically kills Lucas. So that information gets back to Rhaenyra, and she is 
livid, like just unbelievable. Like cannot believe that it happened. And then that's the end of season one. So there was a lot, a lot there to unpack. Hopefully I explained it. Okay. Um, it's a little bit difficult to do it on alone, but I think I did fairly well just kind of going through everything. Um, obviously if you want to know more, go, go watch the episode. Um, but very excited for season two. I think we're going to see a lot more fighting. Uh, actually might see a, a battle like at the end of season two, that'd be really cool. Um, hopefully we see some new characters show up maybe, uh, thinking we'll probably see more Baratheon, maybe see whoever is King of house Stark at the time. That'd be really cool. So yeah, looking forward to season two thinking it'll come out probably in the middle of 2024 if I had to guess, but also could totally see it being like fall of 2024 because that's when season one came out was August from like August to October. So I want to jump into the dragons of Westeros right now. So we're just a little bit shy of the one hour mark. So I'm going to get through these pretty quickly. Uh, Balerion, the black dread is the largest and eldest of all the Targaryen dragons. Balerion was flown by Aegon, the conqueror and later became the steed of King Viserys. The black and red Maul dragon has died by the time House of the Dragon begins, but his massive skull can be seen on display at the Red Keep. So you see the massive skull in the in the season, and you also see the skull in like the dungeons and basements in the basement of King's Landing when Game of Thrones was going on, which was. 172 years later. So that skull is still, still hanging in there and you still see it. So that's really cool to see. So the next dragon is Caraxes. He's dubbed the blood worm. This huge red and horn beast is the steed of Prince Daemon Targaryen and is a fearsome and vicious as his rider. So this one's really cool dragon. I, I like his, the horn, he has horns, um, looks very mean, very, not, not a huge dragon, probably medium sized, uh, but has a very long neck from what I remember. So, uh, cool dragon in my opinion. Uh, the next one is Cyrax as described in George RR R. Martin's official companion book, the world of ice and fire, the untold history of Westeros and the game of Thrones. The yellowish Cyrax is the huge and formidable female steed of Princess Rhaenyra. So, yeah, um, don't see this one a whole lot, but from the image I'm looking at, it has a very, like, dinosaur-looking face. Um, next one is Melis, the Red Queen, is the steed of the queen who never was, Princess Rhaenys. Melis is ascribed in the world of ice and fire as old and cunning, lazy, but fearsome when roused. Both Melis and its writer make quite a splash in the penimulant episode of House of the Dragons first season. So this dragon we see at the end of the season, 
um, as King Aegon is being named. Uh, Renice is not happy at all, and she actually takes her dragon and comes up through the floor of the castle where they're all get doing the announcement of King Aegon and just disrupts everything going on with her dragon. And, uh, yeah, it's got a lot of horns like all around its face. So it's very cool, very mean looking. Vagar, who I've mentioned several times, the second largest dragon of the Targaryens. Vagar is an ancient female dragon and the last of those flown during Aegon's conquest when she served as the steed of Queen Viserys, Visenya Targaryen, I'm sorry. Together they burned the Aran fleet in the waters off Giltown. Vagar was named in honor of a god of old Valyria and will factor into later developments in House of the Dragon. He was first ridden by Lady Lena Valerion and then later by Aemon Targaryen. Arax said to be five times smaller than Vagar. This young male dragon is the steed of Prince Lucas Valerion. Arax and Lucerys play a pivotal role in the season one finale of House of the Dragon. So this is the dragon that Lucas was flying uh, when Aemon was teasing him and messing with him. So, and I mentioned that uh, a little bit earlier. Vermithor, the Bronze Fury, the third largest dragon, is described in the world of ice and fire as old and hoary. This male dragon was once the steed of Jaehaerys Targaryen, a.k.a. the Old King. Daemon Targaryen is seen visiting it during the season one finale of House of the Dragon. Sea Smoke. This gray and white dragon is still relatively young during the Dance of Dragons, during which it bonds with Sir Lenore Valerion. Sea Smoke appears during the, the climatic battle against the Crab Feeder in Season 1, Episode 3. So this was a cool scene. This is one of the first scenes in the show where we see the one of the dragons breathing fire. Uh, so this was, it was Sea Smoke. Um, so, yeah, very cool to see. Vermax, the young male dragon, Vermax, is the steed of Prince Jaceris Valerion. The green dragon briefly appears during season one. So we see this dragon as the boys were teasing Amon because he doesn't have an egg. So this was, Jaceris was down in the dungeon with this dragon and was kind of tra- helping train him because uh, he is very small and very young. Dreamfire, this silver and blue she-dragon has been the steed of both Princess Reyna Targaryen and Queen Helena Targaryen at different times. Helena is played by Phila Savin in House of the Dragon. Sunfire, with his golden scales and flame, it's no wonder this huge and formidable male dragon is dubbed Sunfire the Golden. He is the steed of Aegon Targaryen. And then there's a couple other dragons that I don't believe really show up in the show, so I'm not going to mention them. But they are dragons that existed in the books. Um, So I'll just leave those out. We are at the... We're about the one hour mark, so I'm going to wrap it up here. Um, 
yes. Yeah, so there was, I just had a few complaints about the show. Um, I think, like I said, I think the dragons could have been more relevant in the season. Um, I think some of the, some of the characters could have had a little bit more of a voice. I think they could have done a little bit better job, like not recasting as much. Like I think, I think they could have been all right with just one or two time jumps, but there ended up being like three or four different time jumps. And there was a lot of recasting going on. And I've also, I was also confused as to why they kept the same actors for Damon and Renice, the, um, the cousin of King Viserys. Uh, and they really didn't make them look any older as the, the the season went on. So I was just very confused because it seemed like Damon was a much younger person. So I thought you could have probably casted a younger Damon and then had him switch over in episode six, like when everybody else did. But I'm, I guess, you know, Damon was played by Matt Smith, who was a former doctor who, uh, so, to get him on the show, it probably cost a bit, a little bit more money than some of the other actors. So to really get his, to get the money that he was asking or looking for, he needed to be in like the whole, like all 10 episodes. So I get it. I just think they could have casted a younger Damon. Um, and then Renice, I don't really know what age she was. She seemed kind of like middle-aged in the earlier episodes, but as like the season went on, they didn't really do much to make her look older. So I don't know, just kind of a, maybe an oversight or just didn't feel like it was important enough to, to address. So um, just a few complaints, but a very good show. I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but I thought, Season one of House of the Dragon was better than season one of Game of Thrones. And I don't know if like how many people are going to agree with that, but that was just my own personal feeling. Uh, and I think my wife would agree that we both enjoyed season one of this show because it, we were able to, you're able to focus more on one family and you didn't have as many storylines this time as you did in Game of Thrones when you had to like, you had to like keep track of the Starks, the Lannisters, the Baratheons, the Targaryens, the Tullys, um, everything else that was going on. So this one is, I, I highly recommend you watch it. It's not the, it's not a perfect show by any means, but it's very well done. Uh, production is movie quality. I, th I saw that every episode was roughly around twenty million to make. So I expect season two to be the same, if not a little bit more. So thank you for listening. Um, we're going to have some really good episodes coming up later on. Uh, Got a nice interview on the horizon, uh, some more individual shorts.
by Saf and Dustin coming up in the future. And yeah, some good stuff. So thank you for listening and drink up and geek out. <laughs>